Episode 6 of Fergo and the Freaking. Hello, Nathan. Like <laughs> from Rugby League Project, Andrew RLP. And joining me is the star of the show, League Freak. You can put on Twitter, League Freak. How was church, mate? Church was wonderful. Um, I sat through a sermon with a high-profile footballer, and I've got to say I agreed with everything he said at the time. So, yeah, it was great. You've given up fornicating? Uh, yeah, basically, I, I've um, repented all my sins, um, every last one of them. Now I will go and uh, meet, is it St. John at the gates of um, the Pearly Gates? I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Okay. I, was, I wasn't too sure if it was um, the, the whole repenting thing. I'm not too sure if it's something that you can do once or whether you can just do it every weekend. Like, can you just go and start fornicating this week and just on Sunday just go and repent and everything's all sweet again? Well, judging by what I've seen in the media over the last, you know, 15, 20 years, I think you basically can just do terrible things and then confess and then every, all of your sins are washed away. That's the way I understand it. So, this is a um, great society. No wonder people are getting in on it. Yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> Fucking brilliant, man. So, yeah, uh, we'll get into that. We'll, we'll spread God's word today on this podcast, and I'm really looking forward to it. All right. Well, let's let's dive in straight away. Um, reports have come out saying that Israel Folau has been sacked by the Australian Rugby Union for saying Christian things, and the <laughs> NRLs come out and said that he's not coming back here either because we don't want people saying those sort of Christian things. Um, which is, I suppose, it's a uh, a fantastic way to show the inclusion policies of these places so well. I'm not defending what he said, but you just think. You know, if inclusion policies include people based on their religion as well, then sacking someone because of it seems a bit hypocritical. But anyway, over to you, mate. What are your thoughts? Well, first of all, let's let's talk about what he posted because he posted this on Instagram, and I, I like I don't know why he would have posted it on Instagram, but I'll read out the list of things that um, are sins apparently. If you asked him, so I said warning. Uh, drunks, homosexuals, adulterers, liars, fornicators, thieves, atheists, and idolaters, hell awaits you, repent. And then he says something about talking to a Mexican good dude called Jesus. So um, that was interesting. I, I tick off a couple of those things on the list. Um, so I I, that's, a, that's a good Friday night, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I, I've got drunks. I mean, I wouldn't call myself a drunk, but I've been blackout drunk a few times. Uh, liars, you know, I, I've said that Penrith are the greatest team in the world when they're just the greatest team in the NRL, really. Um, I, I don't think I've stolen anything. Um, idolators. I don't know if that's a word, um, but whatever it is, I'm, I'm willing to fess up to it. So, <laughs> and... We've got to repent because hell awaits us. So, and my, I mean, basically, I, I would trust Israel Folau on that because my version of hell is having to watch rugby union and AFL games for anything longer than thirty seconds. So he knows all about hell, if you ask me. Yeah, um, he's, uh, he's definitely spent a bit of time. There. He's also, um, you know, lived in Melbourne too. And oh Brisbane. yeah, correct. Well, Brisbane, uh, you know, I could cop Brisbane. Hang on, I'm trying to get the dog to stop bloody snoring. There we go. Um, 
I, I could cop Brisbane. I couldn't cop living in Melbourne. I've been to Melbourne a couple of times, and Jesus, you've got a uh, a city there that'll put you to sleep. But yeah, it's, I think that the interesting thing about this Israel Folau thing is that it's multi layered. There's a lot of different things that are coming out about it, and it's a really interesting topic because here you have somebody that has said religious comments in the past that his employer, the ARU, did not like very much, and they pulled him in and said, listen, you've got to stop doing that, and he seemed to agree to stop doing these sorts of things. Now, I don't follow Israel Flau on anything. In fact, he blocked me on Twitter, and I don't really know why. I I don't think I've ever said anything too over the top about Israel Flau. But, no, but you um, probably have been somewhat pro um, homosexuality, I guess. Oh, and, and drunkenness. Not, not, well, not sure you are one, but you know you you probably said something along the ways where you haven't been too too opposed to to women being gay. You know what it might have been because <laughs> I I sit here pretty much big big sport of lesbians. Um, but I remember when they were doing the the uh, same sex marriage thing in Australia, and my whole idea was that. Uh, gay people should be allowed to get divorced too. That was my line on it. So, um, so yeah, it was uh, maybe it was that. But um, I think that just quickly on that one, the thing that got me about that was so many people trying to say that gay people getting married somehow devalued my homosexual, my heterosexual marriage. And I went, yeah. how? No one else's yeah. marriage impacts on mine other than mine. So it's yeah. just dumb arguments. But anyway. Yeah, and, you know, so many people get married and divorced and it's like, well, you know, if you read the book, you're not supposed to do that either. So <laughs> uh, it's just a, it's a little bit silly, I thought. But um, And, you know, the weird thing about that is that when they sent those forms out and it was supposed to be a uh, – you could vote on, on that, but it, it was uh, anonymous, completely anonymous. So I get the thing in the mail. And I seriously counted eight different tracking numbers on that that voting form. And I was like, what do you mean this is anonymous? Like, there's eight tracking numbers on this thing. It was incredible. And it had, like, barcodes and everything. It's like, yeah, anonymous, my ass. But, um, yeah, is, look, Israel Folau was brought in by the ARU last year and told to, you know, not do this anymore. He, he then signed a $4 million contract. And he started doing it again pretty early into the season. And he's done it in a Rugby Union World Cup year. It feels to me like he's pulled the trigger on a con. It, like he, maybe he's not happy or something. Maybe there's a bigger contract out there for him. And he's pulled the trigger and been like, okay, this might get out of jail free card. Let's do this. Let's not say anything because he doesn't have to say anything. And let the ARU sack him and maybe pick up contracts somewhere else. That's what it feels like to me. Yeah, it's. Um, I I agree. I think there's there's other reasons behind it, and I think it might be finances. They know that you know Falau's getting older. Um, his form on the field, I don't think, has changed that much. I don't think it's that's enough to warrant him being um, sacked. Mm-hmm. But it is going to go down sometime soon, and you do run that risk of a bloke on such a massive salary of having one bad year. And that being a massive financial loss for for the ARU, so I think a part of it might be then <clears> thinking <throat> about let's let's you know pull the trigger before we get shot. Yeah, 
And, and look, he's 30 years old now. I don't know how he's playing because I don't watch Rugby Union. Um, there's plenty of grass to watch grow instead. So, But if he's on, say, a four-year deal, and I, I don't know how long his contract is, um, but he is their biggest star by a long, long way. I don't think most people could name more than five rugby union players in Australia, and a lot of them would be older players anyway. Well, a lot um, of them and, would be old rugby league players. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, Israel Folau. I mean, that's the first name anybody would say. Yeah. Uh, and it's a rugby union World Cup year, so they need all of their best talent going in, and it, there's no doubt that he's probably the most talented player in Australian rugby union. Um it's not ideal timing for them, and I'm sure they didn't want it to happen. But at the same time, they, their hands were kind of tied because they'd put themselves in a position where they said, you can't do this again, then re-signed him to a massive deal, and then he's done this again, and they kind of had to sack him. And people are saying, well, they sacked him, and what about freedom of speech? The first thing is we don't have freedom of speech laws in Australia. That's the first thing people need to understand. Um, it's not like the United States where they do have freedom of speech and it's it's um, protected under the Constitution. We That's just do exactly not exactly right. And to me, mm-hmm. people don't realise that. Because we do have the right to, to speak as we wish in this country, people instantly assume that we have our freedom to speak protected. We don't. It's just a courtesy that's afforded us by the government. Yeah. And, and so that, that whole thing is out the window. He hasn't been sacked along those lines. He's been sacked because he breached the Australian Rugby Union or Rugby Australia, as they're called these days. He he breached their social media guidelines. And in that case, that's completely fine. Like, and, and that happens quite often in Australian society where somebody says something on a social media channel that their employer doesn't like and they can be fired. And, and that's fine. I've got no problems with that. I do have some other problems with this whole situation, though. And I was watching the West Tigers beat the Broncos last night. And while that was happening, I read that the Australian Rugby League Commission had announced that Israel Folau would not be welcomed into Rugby League because of this post that he made. And I'm watching it and I'm thinking, well, I'm watching the Brisbane Broncos who welcomed back Matt Lodge who had (laughs) physically done something. No, he hadn't just said something. He hadn't just posted something. He had physically assaulted someone, and he was welcomed back. But here the the ARL is saying that we will not allow Israel Folau to come back into rugby league for something that he posted online and hadn't physically done. Now, I've got no problems if that is their line. But historically, the line has been so much further out than that for <laughs> what we will allow in rugby league. And this is something, and I, I want to mention it because uh, a follower of mine, Emma Hedges, and her her Twitter account is Emma H one one two three. She was the only other person that really picked up on this on when I said this on Twitter. How can you say that we won't allow somebody? to post something that is offensive to a lot of people online, and I get that, but then allow people into rugby league that have literally assaulted, physically assaulted other people. It just doesn't line up. It is absolutely yeah. crazy. It's And it's double standards that are so 
insane that it just locks my brain up, you know, um, it, and it's virtue signaling of the highest order. And I think it's virtue signaling that would be absolutely crushed if any club in the NRL decided to offer Israel Folau a contract tomorrow and they would bring him in and they'd say, we're going to, they just do the same thing. We're going to educate him. We're going to, it's a redemption story. Like all of the media would be on top of it. I've got no doubt that the ARL would cave in a second if that process was put in place. And I just go by their track record and I go by their track record in the last six months. You know, it's not like you've got to go back years and years to work this out. The ARL allows pretty much anyone to do anything. I mean, what about Jack Whiten down in Canberra, who was charged with assaulting a number of people in Canberra? The ARL didn't have any problems with that, and yet they're going to say that Israel Folau can never play rugby league again because he posted what is essentially an offensive and unfunny meme. Well, I suppose we've got to remember too, I think... I think a lot of industries now think that Twitter is the most important place in the world. Um, remember, there's been a lot of things that get said on Twitter by football players. Mm. But the last time I remember the NRL forcing someone to apologise for something on there was when Paul Gallen called one of the ARU, um, sorry, ARL commissioner or something like that. Didn't he call them a swear word or something like that? Um, I remember that. Oh, yeah, it was didn't, a, was it a few when years said- ago. And he blamed and he his old man for his it. Dad. Yeah, his yeah. dad did it. Yeah. I think he dropped the C bomb as well. Yeah. Um and he had to come out and apologize for that. And yeah. he, there's a lot of things that Paul Gallen could probably have to apologize for in his career, but that's the only thing I can think of where he's actually had to come out and apologize. Yeah. And he just said, Ah, oh, it's me old man, you know, he just had a few cans and he decided to go on me Twitter. Oh well, we're just having a joke. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think Maybe there's something that Israel can learn from this, and that is he may actually have an old man who's not a god botherer. And you can just say, Ah, oh, me old man, he's just having a few few jokes, he had a few cans, you know, he just yeah. needs to go and repent a little bit. Yeah. Everything will be fine. Yeah, you, you do that, and, and this is all sorted. Um, I call the it the gallon problem. approach. Yeah. The gallon, the gallon clause, yeah. Uh, yeah. and there's a lot of clauses there that you could do. <laughs> um, but it, it's, I mean, he's got the form. That's the only problem that he'd have. But I, I think that this gotcha culture that we've got online, it's, um, it leaves no scope for somebody. And look, it's just happened. But it leaves no scope for somebody to be able to be educated on a subject and to be able to change their mind. You know, I don't like this hammer that comes down on people sometimes where it's like, oh, my God, they've said something. And then, you know, there's the whole process. We smash them. We try and take away their career, and then we turn them into this, you know, outcast in society. I don't like that sort of stuff. I think there's a... uh... I think there's a, there's a selfishness behind the motives for people who do that. And I think it's not because they want that person sacked, but because they want to be seen to have been part of a movement that is seen to be positive yeah. and that they might get some likes or retweets out of it. Yeah. and they, I'm, they I'm get... a bit cynical, so that's, that's my look at it anyway. I'm the same. And it's false so- social currency. 
yeah. and you see it all the time. The whole Coney thing was the best example of it, where you had all of these people, you know, retweeting about Coney. We've got to get Coney, and literally we're doing nothing. I've always said that if you took a can of baked beans and you gave it to a homeless person, and that was all you did, you said, here, have a free can of baked beans, you would be doing a thousand times more than these people on social media do that do these causes and this this uh, uh, this virtue signalling crap. You know, it, it counts for nothing. And but people get into this system of they do it and they feel better about themselves, and it's it just doesn't count for anything. And I understand that you people want to get their point of view across, and I understand that Israel Flower said something that offended a lot of people. I'm not discounting that at all, and I'm definitely not defending him. But was it worth him losing $4 million over? I don't know that it was, and I would much rather in circumstances where somebody says something dumb that there's a process that they're told, listen, this is stupid what you're saying, and let's... In instances like this, it's normally ignorance that is the cause of it. Because I've got no doubt that if anybody on that list that Israel Folau had, which basically says everyone except Israel Folau is going to hell, <laughs> if you stood in front of Israel Folau and said, listen, Israel, I'm a drunk. I, I drink every single day and I can't help myself. I don't think Israel Folau is just going to go, you need to repent. I, I think he'd probably be, I think he'd be probably nice enough to you. I don't think he's going to start, you know, smashing you in the head with a hammer or anything like that. And so I think that with somebody like Israel Folau, there's probably a capacity to honestly say, look, we don't agree with what you're saying at all. And here's why. He might not listen to you, but I think he would sit down and and at least give you a minute or two to have your say. And I don't think that he's going to physically attack you, as we have seen some other sports stars do, and then be allowed to continue their career, especially in the NRL. And that hypocrisy that we saw out of the Australian Rugby League Commission overnight, that really got to me because... I mean, there's pretty much everything that rugby league players have been allowed to do short of killing somebody, and they've been allowed to come back to the game that we've seen the redemption cycle that we all take the piss out of. If the line in the sand was saying something offensive on social media, I would say, you know what, that's the line that the Australian Rugby League Commission have set. But man, that line is so far out to sea right now, and and to see that virtue signalling crap from the ARL really didn't sit well with me at all overnight. The thing that I find, um, I suppose, confusing about the thing is, if we look at the bigger picture, players aren't really seen as um, entirely 100% ambassadors for the game that they play because they can switch codes, they can switch clubs, they can yeah. leave at any time. And that's the thing, as soon as they leave, they stop becoming that ambassador. But they're not yeah. hired in an ambassadorial role. A lot of these people are essentially hired as contractors, pretty much. Yeah. And so it's they're self-employed, real... which means yeah. they're pretty much their own brand. So if he's going on social media and saying stuff like that, which offends a whole lot of people, 
he's really doing most damage to his own personal brand more than anything. And I don't think that is reason enough to be sacked from a job that you're paid to do. If he's doing his job that the RU's asked for properly mm-hmm. on the field, then I don't see why he should be getting the sack over the dumb crap he says on social media or even to a, um, a journo somewhere. Um, that's that's the sort of thing. There's, there's too much emphasis now placed on what they say online and what they do online. That Players are not getting any freedom to express anything about their character to some extent. And if they've got strong opinions like this, they're told to shut up. And you're being pretty much guided to, into adopting certain attitudes or beliefs about things, even if you don't believe in them, you have to still still adopt them if you want to keep your job, which I think is kind of wrong. Yeah, and it is it is also a grey area. It's not a subject where there's a right and a wrong answer. That's true. And I think some, like, I see your point of view where you're like, let them say what they want to say and anything that they do, it really only affects their personal earning capacity. But, at, but and I'm from the other camp where it's like, well, if the ARU doesn't like what he's, he's saying and they have policies in place about social media posting and what you can and can't say, I think that they've got every right to say, see you later, we don't want to be associated. Or And it's I don't think it's a, it's been associated with this sort of stuff. I think they don't like to have to clean up after a mess is made by a player. I think that's more the case. Yeah, I agree. Um, so I, I I don't think there's a right and wrong answer here. And I'm definitely not defending anything he said. I mean, I, th- I think the whole list was just silly. I think it was stupid. Um, but I, I don't like it when you get these different double standards that are put in place by organisations. Um, you just have to look through the history of some of the things that rugby union in Australia has allowed to go by the wayside and you can see there's some double standards there. And that's the case with every single sporting code. I'm not just picking out rugby union. This is just the the case that we're looking at right now. But, well, you know, when I saw Peter Beattie come out overnight and say what he said, uh, I just could not believe it. I mean, the double standard is absolutely ridiculous. And as I said, I think if, if any club come to the ARL today and said, look, we've got a contract on the table for Israel Folau, and they would just simply say, oh, we're going to do the whole, you know, it's the whole thing, the education process and all that garbage. And, you know, I, I think that Israel Folau would be playing rugby league this year if he wanted to. But I tend to think that what I think will happen is that he pulled a trigger that he knew he could pull, and he will be playing rugby union in Europe within the next couple of months. That's what yeah. I think has probably happened. I might be completely wrong on that, but that's just my guess. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be too far off. Look, I'd, I want to say, I, I know that um, he has breached the, the the social media policy thing, um, mm-hmm. and if you breach those rules, then you deserve to be sacked. I'm, I'm not mm-hmm. defending that either, um, yep. and I don't stand up for what he says. I disagree with everything he says, but um, I, was, I was just saying that I think I think some of these codes put too much emphasis on what's being said on social media and in, and putting it into their their guidelines for contracts and stuff. And I think, yeah, as much you don't have to agree with what everybody says, and every, everybody shouldn't have to say what agrees with everybody else because you lose personality and character out of it. And yeah, 
I just fear that it, it, it forces people into behaving a certain way, which yeah. leads us into during the week, Valentine Holmes come home. Mm. And he got off the plane. He had a hoodie on, his sunnies on, a hat on, and he walked past the media and told them that he wasn't going to talk to them. And we had Bill Rossfield call him a wanker. Mm. The same bloke who had a song and dance in a sook last year because Andrew Favita and Josh Dugan in a podcast called him a fuckwit. Yeah. And he said, oh, people shouldn't be saying that sort of stuff about people, and blah, blah, blah. And he had a bit of a whinge about it. And now he's saying this about someone who said nothing bad about Rossfield. Yeah, and somebody that was really clear about his intentions. He Apparently, a couple of weeks ago, he put out his plan that he wasn't going to say anything about his future and where he, he stood. And I think back then he probably didn't know. He said he was going to come back to Sydney and then he was going to basically announce what he was doing. And my guess is at the time, if if he hadn't already had the contract in front of him from the Jets to be a develop, basically a development squad member, um, he was going to sign within a rugby league club. And at this stage, it looks like he probably would have signed with the North Queensland Cowboys because they've yeah. got the salary cap space to use after getting rid of Ben Barber. Um, but he he told them he was going to come to sit back to Sydney for it all. And he gets off the plane, and it was something like a 16-hour flight. He's wearing, uh, you know, what he was... I can't believe what he was wearing. Anybody brought it up. Like, what are you supposed to wear? I know when I fly, and I, I fly all the time. I normally fly first class. Uh, and when I'm not flying in a tuxedo, I try and fly in the most comfortable thing I can wear. And it's a lot of the time it, it is a hoodie because you can take it off in the plane easily enough. Sometimes it gets cold on a plane, so you can chuck it back on. And so they're talking about what he's wearing. And he, I thought he was really respectful. I thought he'd come out, he basically said, look, I'm not going to say anything. And that was it. And he just kept on saying that over and over again. I don't know what more he really could have said without yeah. saying he just kept on saying it over again. Look, I'm not going to say anything, guys. He kept on saying that. And the journalists that – and I use the term journalist really, really loosely with the people that were around him. Uh, they were acting like absolute clowns, and they were almost taking the piss out of him. And at one point he smirked, and they were like, what are you laughing about? And he was, he was like, I'm kind of laughing at you lot, because they were acting really ridiculously – and I don't know what more you could have really asked out of Valentine Holmes in that situation. And he come home, he did exactly what he said he was going to do, and they smashed him for it. And the reason they smashed him for it was because he didn't give them the content they wanted. Bingo. And that's what it comes down to. They want content, and they want content because they can sell that content and they put advertising over the top of it. And Valentine Holmes didn't give them what they wanted. So what did they do? They turned the whole situation around and said, Valentine Holmes comes home and was arrogant. And what an arrogant jerk. And look what he's wearing. And then they sold that as content. Where it was just a guy t coming off of a plane just wanting to get to his car. What more did they want out of him? That's the thing I don't like, okay? There's this attitude that the media feels that they're entitled to get a response from someone, and if they don't, then that person's a wanker. That's, yeah. that's not journalism, and that's not interviewing. No. no. That's just being petty, miserable little shits. Yeah. You know, he said to you more than once, 
I'm not talking. How many times do you have to tell a journalist something before they actually go, you know what, he's not going to say anything to us, let's just leave it alone. I know yeah. they've got to get quotes. I know they've got to get a story. But yeah. if there's not a story to be had, don't try and manufacture one because that's not journalism. That's just being a pest. You know? Yeah, and, and that's exactly what they did. They manufactured it when they didn't get the content they wanted from him, which was Valentine Holmes getting off the plane and standing there in front of all of them and telling them what they wanted to hear. With, and they didn't know what they wanted to hear. They just wanted him to say something that they could run with. Uh, when they didn't do that, they manufactured it. And it, the manufacturing of it was that he's arrogant. Like, the look at what he's wearing. I didn't understand that. Like, he, what, what do they want him to wear? Can they give him a list of stuff that is on the, uh, you know? I have, okay one criticism. I have one criticism about what he was wearing. Mm. He, he was wearing an NBA hoodie. Yeah. He, that's not very good if you're trying to promote yourself as an NFL player and you're sitting there promoting a rival brand. I mean... Come on, but, Val. You're not you're not helping your own cause here, mate. <laughs> yeah, but then again, you've got to remember he was making sure that he, he had the ability to announce it in his own time. And just I say know. he stepped off the plane wearing a shark's hoodie, then it would have been interpreted. I mean, we saw what was interpreted when he just was walking. You know, I think if he'd worn an NFL t-shirt that just had the NFL shield on it, that would have been interpreted. And he didn't want to interpret anything. And like, if you don't, if you're in his situation and you don't want to give anything away, which is his right, what do you wear outside of uh, like something that has no logos on it? I but don't why know. Should what it even, why should it even matter? That's the crazy thing of it all. Yeah, exactly. You know, and and the, the, the fact they called know. him a wanker based on what he was wearing, you think they would never do that if it was a female athlete coming off the plane. Imagine if you had to go to what a woman was wearing and called her. A, called her a bitch for what she was wearing because she wouldn't talk mm. to you. You know, it's mm. just, there's no class with them. And the I had an argument with someone, and I think someone blocked me over it. And it wasn't being rude. I was just saying he's not entitled to answer a question. Who yeah. are we and who is the media to determine and to dictate when a human is supposed to talk and what, what they're supposed to say? Because that's the thing. Yeah. Paul Kent was saying he could have just sat there and said, you know, I can't say anything right now. I'll, I'll be making a comment later, blah, blah, yeah. blah. You know, some sort of statement. Like, he's just saying, no, he doesn't have to do that. He yeah, said, yeah. I'm not talking, accept mm-hmm. his word and give him that give him that respect. Yeah. But if you're and- going to keep disrespecting him, what do you expect? You know, this is the problem that the media has, and not just with Valentine Holmes. It goes on through all sport, especially mm. we said a lot in rugby league. But there's this lack of respect, I find, that, some of the people in mainstream media, not all of them, have mm. towards players because they're constantly rubbishing the game to sell articles. Mm-hmm. And they then complain because the players won't talk to them and then they say, oh, the clubs won't let them speak to us either. And the, because those same people are constantly rubbishing the clubs and rubbishing the players. It's a broken economy where it will never get fixed if it keeps going in that cycle. 100%. And like... That, and they, they get so angry when you don't give them the content. And yeah. even if – look, they want a certain amount. They want something they can put in a box. And if you don't give them that, then they just want something they can package up and make something out of. And if you don't give them that, they will destroy you, you know, and they're not entitled to anything. If Valentine Holmes decides that he doesn't want to speak to anyone, he's not even con- – he wasn't even contracted to anyone at that point. He yeah. literally had no obligations 
to anyone except himself. And he's a young bloke, like he's a, a young man. And I thought he handled himself exceptionally well. I don't I think agree. he could have handled himself any better than he did. And uh, like, it was so exciting to hear that he'd got this contract. He's sacrificing a lot of money to take up this this small opportunity. I think he's going to go really well. And, and it's something that he's a young guy. He's, he's uh, dedicated himself early on in his career to do this. And like all rugby league players that we've seen take up other sports in recent years, I think he's going to be a success at it. Um, good luck to him. I, I'm very excited to see how well he goes. I would really love to see him back playing rugby league. I really would. But at the same time, I just hope that he's happy and it seems like he is. So that's the important thing. And what the media has to say about him, they can fuck off, quite honestly. Well said, mate. Now, look, I I actually think that him and any other players who go to, to the NFL, you know, they attempt to go big time. Mm. I actually think that that is in turn a, a pretty good advertisement for rugby league as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, and... There's no doubt, and he's, I'd, I'd argue he's probably one of the most naturally gifted athletes, not just rugby league players, but just athletically, so naturally gifted at what he does. He mm. can probably try his hand at nearly any sport and be an absolute gun at it. Mm. Um, he do, he, there's nothing about him that's half-hearted either. Like you, you watch him running the ball back, you think, he's this scrawny kid, and he's just running it back like he's a prop forward doing the first hit-up after a kickoff. You know, He had no fear. Um, he's not trying to preserve his body or anything like that. He just, mm. he's, oh, the bloke's an absolute gun. I, I got nothing to praise for him. So yeah, I don't, mm. I, I got nothing against what said, what was said there. If you disagree with me, then go for it. But I'm not changing my view on that one. <laughs> no, I agree. Um, so, the, an, another thing I'd like to talk about today, yes. uh, Greg Inglis, who is just, I mean, I, I love Greg Inglis. I think he's one of the best players I've ever seen play the game, um, was at the top of the sport as a winger, as a centre, as a 5'8", and as a fullback. Um, won titles with the Melbourne Storm, and, you know, they were taken away, but whatever. Then went to a South Sydney club that had been in the doldrums for decades and was the centrepiece around which they built a title-winning team. Uh, was one of the first-picked... For Queensland, despite the fact he's a New South Wales-born and raised player, um, was one of the first picked for Australia. His highlight reel is incredible. I've, I've said before that Greg Inglis must really shock players when they they have been the best athlete growing up. They've been the best player growing up. They've dedicated their whole lives growing up to being a a rugby league player, and then you come up against a Greg Inglis who has ragdolled some of the best defensive centres and, and players in the game. It just must be a shock when that happens to you as a player. Um, I can't praise him enough. And unfortunately, he's been told by South Sydney now that to go and just take some time away and see what he wants to do with his career, I feel like this is probably... And look, I think as a player, he he's good enough right now to still do a job on the field and still be a player that you've got to really plan for and stuff. But it seems like this might be the end of his career and it's kind of sad to see it end this way. Um, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, he's played um, 
did he play about 240 games at, mm. up until the end of 2016, and he's played 22 games since. Mm-hmm. Um, and 19 of those are in 2018. So one game in 2017, two games so far this year. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a bit of... I think there's the only issue I find with him at the moment is I don't think mentally he's in a good spot. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not basing this on anything other than just a gut feeling, mm-hmm. but um, seeing someone who's such a just phenomenal athlete, and let's not it's not just what he does on the field either. A lot of this community work he does off the field, especially for the Aboriginal community, mm-hmm. is is bloody amazing mm-hmm. um, and should, should never go um, ignored either because it's, you know, there's so much that needs to be done out there and people, how high-profile people like him are helping, you know, helping get to those points a lot quicker as well. Yeah. Um, so full credit to him for doing that sort of stuff as well. But, yeah, I'd... I don't know. I, I got the impression when he announced that he was going to retire in two years' time. Mm-hmm. Um, was, was that start of the year or last year? I, I got the impression. I got the impression then that the fact he's seeking about retirement two years mm-hmm. out, yeah, kind of gave me the impression that there's something that's not quite right um, with him mentally for the fact that he's thinking about ending his career already. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it was two years down the line, but the fact is he's got that mentality in his head already and you'll hear a lot of athletes say that you know when it comes to retirement a lot of times it comes down to there's just that one moment where you get out of bed and you don't feel excited about going to play the sport and Mm -hmm. you go that's when i know that it's time i need to hang up the boots yeah it's not to do with anything on the field because we know ingles he steps on the field he can play the play on the field half injured he's still one of the best players out there the guy's an absolute absolutely insane um what he does and to this day, I still think he's got possibly one of the greatest fens in rugby league history. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm kind of the same. I think the mentality's been there for a little while that he wants to he wants to walk away. I think he's lost his his love for the game, which can happen. Yeah, um, and I think that may be what it is. There's possibly personal reasons behind it. We don't know, and I'm not the sort of person to speculate on that sort of stuff either. Yeah, and I think I also think you've got to be careful because you'll see a lot of. Um journos saying oh he's 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 not in a good place and what it can actually be is that just as a person and greg inglis has achieved i I can't think of anything he hasn't achieved actually in the game well one Um, thing he never achieved a premiership with the west tigers or penrith yeah bastard (laughs) (laughs) um but like as somebody that has literally done everything in the game and he's in his early 30s now, and he might just be in a place in his life where he's like, as you say, you wake up one day and the thing you're excited about isn't going to training. It might be to spend time with your family or to go on a holiday with your loved ones or, you know, just waking up and thinking, man, instead of going to training, I would love to just go down the beach And he might just be in that place as a person. But for a football club, that's not what they want to hear. So that gets translated into like, he's not in a good place, man. He's he's," And he might be. You don't know. It just might be he's in a different place. As you say, to be be looking at the finish line a couple of years out is a little interesting. And it's not something that you normally see too many players do. And, And in rugby league, I mean, I can't think of... 
another player that's done it. Maybe the closest you get is, say, Jonathan Thurston, who, and it wasn't two years out for him. It was really, I'm going to retire at the end of the year. And that at least gives a player something to say, look, I've got, let's do this for one more year. I can do this for one more year. Two years out is, is a little bit far. And I also think with a player like Greg Inglis, who is one of the most skillful players you'll ever see, but who had that layer on top of it that he was maybe one of the top 10 athletes that have ever played the game. Mm-hmm. Um, when that athleticism starts to diminish a little and he's got that knee injury that's been well documented. And you also add to the fact that, and I, I, I always used to say this about Greg Inglis because people would say, oh, he's coming to the season, he's carrying a bit of weight. I, I never wanted Greg Inglis to be physically at his best in March. I always wanted him to be at his best in September. But as you get older and older, you can't let anything go physically and because it becomes so much harder to make that up. And I wonder if a little bit of that crept in as well as his knee injury is not going to get any better. And you add that to the fact that maybe just the excitement about getting up on the morning and training every day isn't there anymore and I wonder if it all has just come together where Greg Inglis is just in a different point of his life and and wants to do something else and if that's the case like one of the greatest players ever like at least in the top 20 greatest players of all time in my opinion you could probably make a, a really good case from being a top 10 player just based on what he achieved in so many different positions, and that's a podcast, man. That's a huge podcast yeah. we'll do for another time. But uh, if he come out today and said, man, I'm just done, I, and I want to do something else with my life, standing ovation and loved him as a player, absolutely loved him. And I just wish it wasn't framed in a sad way that it seems to be being framed right now because, man, I, I will tell my grandkids about Greg Inglis. Oh, likewise. The, the bloke is he's, he's one of those people you hear about, you know, a generational player. You don't yeah. get these guys too often. Um, sadly, a lot of times you get players getting gifted that tag for mm. one or two good seasons. Mm-hmm. And Inglis is not one of them. He's above that lot because he's been good from day one. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, you just don't get too many players like that. I mean, he, he played for Australia in his second year of first grade footy. Mm. Yeah, it's just, and it wasn't just a fluke thing either. He stayed there for ten years. You know, played nearly thirty-nine tests. You just think the bloke, the bloke hit a hit his hit his stride so quickly. He mm. got to the top of the game so fast, and then kept improving on that. And as you said, he did it over multiple positions, which all have different skill sets. It's not like he went from playing wing to centre to second row, where the skill set doesn't change much. He was playing in the yeah. spine. Yeah, and, and, and as the spine was changing, I mean, when he first started there at the at the Storm in two thousand and five, I mean, the way Billy Slater played the game in two thousand and five is much different to the way he played it in twenty fifteen. So mm. even those roles evolved about what they had to do. Um, and and I think that he was able every, to, to every sorry. point you could have said Greg Greg Inglis is the best winger in the world. He's yeah. the best center in the world. He's the best five eighth in the world. He's the best fullback in the world. How many players in the history of the game can you honestly say that about? I'd like no one really jumps out at me that did it as the literally the best player in the world at those four positions 
with different skill sets. Just incredible. Absolutely incredible. And one, wasn't just playing fullback in a beaten team or five-eighth, like was the best player in the best teams in these different positions. Incredible. I was just having a look on here, actually. He he got the uh, best five-eighth of the year in 2008, the best centre of the year in 2009, and the best fullback of the year in 2013. That's in the world, not in the NRL. They're from the Red League International Federation. Yeah. Three Although different positions, and two of them were one after the other. Five-eighth one year, centre the yeah. next. Yeah, Just... incredible. Absolutely incredible. I can't, I mean, can you think of anybody that that did that? I can't. I mean, there's The only players... player I can think of that's got that sort of versatility in their history that yeah. were just as successful about everything they did. I have to go back to the 1920s with Jimmy Craig, who played, he was called Mr. Versatile. He played nearly every position on the field other than prop, I think. Yeah. Um, that's the only person I can think of that would come close. And he managed to play for Queensland, Australia. He also played for New South Wales. Um, yeah. And Greg Inglis is the only one who... And this is the thing. He never really gets looked at as a versatile player. Mm. Um, which always surprised me because he genuinely is. Find someone who's a better versatile back than him. Yeah. And I, look, I think tomorrow you could chuck him in the number 12 jersey. and Absolutely you could. You know, it, it's not like he he could have done he, he could have moved into the to the Ford pack very easily. I mean, he's big enough to that's for sure. And physically, I mean, he he never had a problem throwing off forwards. Um, and it's I I do I think that it, maybe it's just a different point in his life. And I I I don't know what's going on with him. I really don't. But I kind of hope that it's just him moving into a different phase in his life rather than him being in a bad place because um, I just wish him all the best just by seeing what he's done on the footy field. Uh, one of my favourite players ever. Yeah, mate, absolutely. We love you, Greg. So uh, hope you're good well and uh, hope you're going well, mate, and hope um, everything's good and we'd love to see you on the field. But if you don't want to play, fine by us, mate. You've had an absolute stellar career and you've done heaps yeah. of this game. Mm. Um, is there any other issues you'd like to bring up today? There was there was one, okay. Mm-hmm. This is not a slur on the person. We're going to put it that way. Um, I don't like anti-vaxxers. I've, yeah. I've got a child, and I, I'm quite interested in making sure that that child becomes an adult. Yeah. Um, and also don't want my child to get an illness that then gets contracted by some other kid, and that other kid dies. So yeah. I'm pretty keen on having my child vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done my research. Yeah. There's a lot of scientists out there who have done their research around the world, and they've all conclusively said that vaccines are perfectly safe. Mm-hmm. Um, given that I'm not a scientist and I don't know better than them, I'll take their word for it because I don't have to pay for vaccines, so yeah. I don't see what gain the government gets out of me financially mm-hmm. to, vac- to vaccinate my child. All I see is they go... By vaccinating your child, they don't get sick as often. We don't have as much disease and illness, which takes the strain off our health system. Mm-hmm. I still don't see where the government's making any massive gain over humans over that. So for me, the conspiracy theory about vaccines being bad mm-hmm. um, has zero ground and zero leaks. Yeah. It's just fear-mongering, which is dangerous and mm-hmm. very stupid mm-hmm. um, and very selfish. Obviously, there'll be cases where there's exceptions to the rule where some kid may get sick to it. Not every human has the same immune system. That's going to happen. 
But yeah. that doesn't mean that vaccines are bad because you may get one one child that has a bad reaction to a vaccine out of a million. That's yeah. a pretty big ratio. Yeah, and it's a, there's also a thing with vaccination, and I, I can't remember exactly what it's called. It's got a weird thing like um, it's it's uh, heard something. They call it something like that, something very, very strange, where you have to, for vaccination to really work, you've got to hit a certain percentage of the population. And once you go under that percentage of the population, even people that are vaccinated, it starts to affect them. And and some of these diseases, apart from being absolutely devastating and and lethal to some people, I mean, it can cause miscarriage in pregnant women and, and things like that. And so, and it it's not just affecting the person that's unvaccinated, it affects people around them as well. Um, and, you know, you've got to go... I'm not a doctor. I'm just an enthusiastic amateur gynecologist. But you've got to really go with the experts when it comes to these sorts of things. Um, you know, and, and seeing what Anthony Mundine said um, the other day, the first thing I thought was that he's about to sell something. He's got a fight lined up or something. And I still expect next week to see him on the Today Show, supposedly defending whatever the fuck he's defending, but also at the bottom of the screen saying that he's got a fight coming up. So that's kind of the first thought that I had, and I, I've got no doubt that that there's something that's going to be sold down the line. But, um, yeah, it's it's not helpful. He can say what he wants. He, he's not really obligated to whoever, but it's... You know, I thought it was just a bit silly. Yeah, I'm. Uh, to be honest, I've I've never really um, got on the whole hate Anthony Mundine train because I've always seen that what he does has always been incredibly smart. What he does publicly, and that is, we all know um, the people who get loved, like Kostya Zoo, for example. Yeah. Don't don't draw big crowds until they become a really big name. But people who are hated can draw big crowds because people want to go along and they want to see them lose. And that's the thing Mundine knew straight away. And I think a lot of the mm-hmm. time he played on people and trolled them an awful lot to get them to come to his fights. And you've only got to look at the at the numbers. Um, you know, he got he probably has the records for, you know, the biggest fight crowds in Australia for, for you know for many years. I must um, have spent I must have spent at least Two hundred dollars on on his older fights, to be fair, but two hundred dollars to buy fights to hopefully see him knocked out. Yeah, and that's the thing. I reckon he knew that, yeah. and he fed into that to get more yeah. people to do it. And because for some reason, hate sells more rapidly and more passionately than than love does. So I think he's gone all all over the all over the shop for that, and just yeah. uh, it's paid off big time. The yeah. problem he's got, I guess, is. Um, he's now not a boxer. He's now not a football player. Mm. Um, so he's saying these things now, which I think are more in tune with who he really is. Um, See, he's, still got a, he's still got a public personality he wants to uphold, but he's not trying to say offensive stuff to keep a profile to lead up to the next fight. He's mm. saying this stuff to remain, dare I say it with a lack of words, to remain relevant. 
Because that's yeah. a problem a lot of athletes have when they retire is they get forgotten real fast. Mm. And I think mm. that's something he probably doesn't want to have happen. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know Anthony Mundine. I really no, don't. You hear that he's a nice guy, but I, I don't know. Um, I, I just think that it was... It was a classic Anthony Mundine thing. You toss up something that you know is going to cause outrage, but then after it, normally you're selling something. And I don't know what he's going to sell after this one. Um, and he he knows how to play the media just beautifully. And oh, they yeah. just, they bite they bite so hard every single time. I can't blame him. And if you make a decision that you're not able to be universally loved, and I think that you you look back at his football career. And some of the things he said, um, when he went into boxing, he probably realised that there was a, a point that he had passed where he wasn't going to be universally loved, so he should go the other direction. And you look at what was happening in boxing around him. I mean, Floyd Mayweather wasn't money until he started saying, you know, ridiculous things and being hated. That's how he became the, the most successful boxer of all time, in yeah. terms of financial success, was when people started to hate him. Um, I so I think that it was really calculated on his behalf. I and that's fair enough. You do whatever you want, but uh, I'm interested to see what he's selling. And because I I don't think it could possibly be boxing again because I think that he's passed a threshold in his boxing career where you can put him up as a credible opponent. But I don't know. I mean, you know, there's maybe, been plenty... Maybe, maybe he's selling vaccines. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I, I really don't know. Like, any... Whatever he did, it wouldn't shock me at all. Uh, but I'm willing to wait and see. But I just... When I saw it, I was like, man, it, what's he going to sell me? That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, true. Yeah, but well, it, is, it, is, it does come with a message that... I, I see your point of view. It's a, it's one of those things that is a little bit dangerous, and or not a little bit. It's a lot dangerous to a lot of people. And I, w- I just wish he'd use some other thing. You know, maybe. I mean, I, wasn't it last year that he was talking about maybe having a trial with an NRL club again? Like, I wish he'd done yeah. something like that. But he picked he picked a topic for 2019 and. He got all of the attention he wanted, and I kind of looked at it and had a bit of a smile and thought, how dare you? <laughs> is this the thing? I, I find, and this is no no disrespect to him, I find he's the greatest troll of the media that's ever lived, and I would love to actually see him get a role in the media with his own TV, yeah, TV or radio show or something like that, just to hear people go off their nut over things he'd say. I think that'd be hilarious. I wouldn't would agree get... with much of it, but it'd be hilarious hearing all of the social outcry over what's Mundine said now. Yeah, and own you'd, them. Yeah, and you'd need a. I mean, you have to have a thick skin to do something like that. But he would definitely, even if you gave him just a thirty-second segment on Fox Sports every <laughs> Friday, just before the footy, you know, just before it kicked off. And it, if when Fox Sports does this, please sponsor us because it's a really good idea. But just give him thirty seconds before the footy, where he just says something and just owns it, and is just does the Anthony Mundine thing, and people would hate watch it. You know, yeah, people would hate turn, watch it. He just turns up, throws a grenade in the room, and walks away. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't comment. 
doesn't say anything until his five minutes next week and just, you know, drops it, walks away, and, oh, man, it would be so successful. And I, I would watch it. I would watch it. Can you imagine him coming into, like, last night's game and you knew that he was going to say something, but you didn't know what it was about the game? And, you know, oh, I would have watched it. Because oh, he, he doesn't – that's the thing, okay? And this is something he needs to be given credit for. He doesn't fear the the, the, the lashback. You know? Yeah. So he'd go out there and he'd say stuff like, you know, Darius Boyd's too old. He needs to be retired. He just doesn't have his – he doesn't give a shit about it anymore and just walk away. He could mm-hmm. say that and do mm-hmm. it convincingly. Mm-hmm. And it would be – oh, jeez, the impact would be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and not many people have the balls to do it. There's so many no, people. No, no, no. They come on and you're like, they just slot they, in. And I get they it. They dance around it, but in. they won't say it. Yeah, they'll dance around. They'll, you know, play the nice person and say all the right nice things and stuff. And, man, imagine just Anthony Mundine, 30 seconds, Friday night. He'd be talked about. I reckon that what he said would be talked about for at least half of the NRL rounds and I don't even know what he would come up with. But even if he come up on, like, next Friday night and he was like, you know, don't vaccinate your kids, people would go nuts again. Yeah. I love Bryce. I love Bryce Cartwright because he doesn't vaccinate his kids. Yeah. So, therefore, I think the Titans will win. You yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he, great. You could just come out and say stuff. You wouldn't need to worry about clickbait um, headlines. No. Just put a quote in by Mundine. It'd work. A literal quote. If you just used his, his quotes... It would just go crazy. I would love that. Yeah, let's let come on Fox Sports. You can do this. There's got to be somebody out there with a the platform. I don't think Anthony Mundine would come on our podcast just yet, but uh, there's got to be some media organisation with a platform that's just like Anthony. Here's 30 seconds. Say anything you want and just throw the money at him. Come yeah. on in. He, he doesn't need the money, but he'd love it. Absolutely. <laughs> well, um... I suppose finally we'll get to some of the comments and tweets and stuff we have. We probably won't be able to list all the tweets we have because we've had quite a few conversations this week on Twitter to do yeah. with the episodes, which has been fantastic. So I've just got two here of people who um, gave us a bit of a wrap. Mm. So, uh, Nathan Thorson, at Nathan Thorson on Twitter, says, Got to say, I'm enjoying this podcast, even if I may not agree on some of your points. Willing to you and freak, mate. No worries, mate. If you don't agree with us, then... Um, I've always said that's a problem for you, not for me. <laughs> I love it though because it, it opens yeah. your mind to new things, and there's plenty of things that people have said that, I, you know, you, either you weren't thinking about or that. I mean, I, I've said to people, come up with a good enough argument, and I will change my mind, um, yeah. and really, you know, flesh it out and tell me why I think it. And there's been things that I've changed my mind on in the past, and. Um, I love that. That's why I love doing this podcast. You know, the discussion about rugby league and the different ideas surrounding it, um, it has always interested me. So you, you don't have to agree with me. In fact, I love it when you don't agree with me. Um, but come up with a good argument and put it to me and you might change my mind. Yeah, oh, look, Nathan's a top bloke too. So I was, uh, I've had a few good discussions with him on Twitter. Um yeah. Another one is James Smith from the Inside Sport magazine. He's at James Smith 1001. He said, A highly intelligent discussion about how rugby league player contracts started and why drafting the NRL is a bad idea. Congrats to League Freak and Andrew RP for a fantastic episode. And Jimmy's got his own um, podcast he does 
for inside sport. We interviews a lot of players from the the seventies, eighties, and nineties, mm-hmm. um, and they are fantastic. He's just got this this knack to get to get so much information out of the players without having to be invasive. He just asks them pretty good open ended questions, yeah. and because he's generally interested in what they say, because this is the these are the players that he grew up loving. Yeah. Um, He's loving the responses he's getting, and you can just tell that the players are loving the fact that he's actually genuinely interested in it, and so they're giving mm-hmm. a fair bit back in return. So they're, they're generally generally good interviews. So thanks for that, James. Yeah, that was really nice when I saw that, and uh, it it we saw a boost in the podcasting numbers when he retweeted that, uh, as we do when when everyone retweets our podcast, we see it, we see the reaction from it. Uh, but that one was like when I saw that I was like, man, we're doing the right thing. Yeah, absolutely. Someone, someone genuinely useful in the mainstream media is out there saying that we're doing a good yeah. job. So we're pretty bloody happy with that because yeah. yeah, James is a top bloke. The stuff they do at Inside Sport, which he's now um, a senior member there. I think he may even be an editor or so. Um, I used to buy Inside Sport when for roll call in high school, uh, and I bought it every single edition. I loved it, and I used to, like, I, I, it was interesting because they wouldn't always do rugby league articles, but I was sort of expanding the sports that I enjoyed at that time, and it was always fantastic to have the Inside Sport magazine, and I would read it religiously for many, many, many years, so it was cool to see that tweet pop up in the timeline. One of my favourite parts of Inside Sport Magazine. I used to have a subscription back when I was bloody 19 or 20, I think it was, mm-hmm. um, was the verbatim section where they found all of the really dumb quotes that people had oh, read yeah. and they put them in there. And they, they even had one section where they put some old old classic ones in there. And there was one something like, um, sure, there have been deaths in boxing, but none of them were serious. Oh, <laughs> you said that. Yeah. I, I can't remember who, who said it. The, the yeah. quotes always stuck with me. And it's just... They, they found classic ones like that. I absolutely loved it. It was the only magazine that did that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, it's fantastic. Still get it now. Yeah. Um, you got any, mate? Anything uh, you can remember anyway, conversation-wise, well, you may have had over stuff we've spoken about? There, were, there was a lot of conversation about the Manly Seagulls and, and our talk about relocation with the Manly Seagulls. I don't know if we should do maybe a, a new uh, episode of that. Um, I think we covered most of what we had to say yeah. in, what was that, episode two, I believe it was. Um, and, yeah, it, it's it's interesting to see the different opinions that were put forward. Uh, a lot of people saying that there'll never be that breakdown between uh, North Sydney supporters who will never support Manly taking over that area, which, I mean, my point of view is that in 20 years' time, there will be no former North Sydney supporters that are still alive, so it doesn't really matter. Um, some people that were saying that the Manly Seagulls have, are in no financial um, problems right now, which I thought was not the case. Uh, I, I just don't agree with that. I think that they are under some pressure right now. Uh, but it was cool to see all the different opinions and there were people that lived in different areas around there that said, oh, I want this to happen, I want that to happen. I think at, at the very least it's a discussion that has to happen and it's one that needs to be taken seriously by the Manly Seagulls Football Club and the Penn family who, who own the club because you just can't keep doing the same thing and expect different results. And I think they've done that for too long at Manly. 
Yeah. And I, I um, want to see them thrive as a club. I don't want to see them die like North Sydney did because right now they're on the same sort of trajectory. Um, and I just hope that they do at least have the discussion. Yeah, and I think that's something that we found too on Twitter is that we even found a really good discussion between two different Manly fans. Mm. Um, those who agree with what we what we're getting at, and those who are adamant that everything was fine and we should stick to it, and they're both they're both right for a lot of different reasons, which is what makes a good discussion. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm the same. I, our argument wasn't that teams should be re- relocated. We said straight away at the top that we don't want any teams relocated or axed. It was just playing devil's advocate, pretty much, is what we were doing. And that's what the whole idea of it was, was to try and flesh that out. Um, yeah. But, yeah, no, we had some damn good discussion out of that, which was fantastic. Yeah, um, it went well, off for ages. It actually ended up, there was at one point I looked at my that what was trending in Twitter, and it wasn't trending in Australia or nothing that I saw, but down at the bottom where it says these articles are popular, and it made our post for the podcast popular down at the very bottom of that um, because there were so many people replying to it and talking about what was going on. So that was really cool to see. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. I, I didn't see that bit, but then again, I was using my phone half the time. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> but no, that's brilliant. Yeah, um, I, was, I was pleased with that. <laughs> uh, also, a uh, big thanks to, to Matty Adard for uh, coming on oh, the episode uh, five. It was great. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Um, it was a great discussion. And the first time we've done the three way podcast it was a little bit different and i think we got better as the podcast went on yeah um, and uh, at the 16 minute mark people there's a moment there where there's absolute silence and um i'm gonna put my hand up that's all me so what happened was freaky and i without speaking about it because we don't really plan anything here i don't know if you <laughs> can tell that or not um we we both sort of got the impression pretty quickly that we're taking turns asking questions and the turn came to me and i knew i had to ask the question but for some reason, I somehow managed to turn off my monitor and I thought Skype had gone down. And I'm sitting there fidgeting around trying to fix everything up because my monitor's got this touch screen where you press the, t- press, press the screen to turn the monitor on off. And I've absolutely bumped it when I'm trying to move my mouse. And I'm sitting there panicking trying to get that sorted out. And then I realise this is dead silence. And I'm going, oh, fuck, if I turn Skype off or something. Yeah. And then I managed to bump the button and turn the monitor on. It's all there. And then I'm getting, uh, everything's everyone's still here. Yeah. Um, and you were recording it too. Yeah, like it was being recorded at your end as well. That's right. So I was like, "Oh well, we'll just carry on." And that's mm. uh, it was a good it was a good um, I suppose explanation, I guess, of how this show is. And that is, where we are warts and all. We're not Andy trying to sound like professionals. We just want to be two blokes having a chat, and uh, it seems to be going pretty well. Yeah, I think people are responding to it, and. Uh... It's been fantastic. I mean, the the feedback we've been getting is really good about it, um, you know. And we encourage feedback. We encourage people to subscribe to the to the podcast, rate it five stars. Doing those two things helps us immensely, and also like spreading it around on your own social media channels. And even if you just say, "Look, have a li- have a listen to this," all of it is fantastic, and it does so much. And anytime I see somebody retweeting it, it doesn't go. It doesn't go unnoticed. It's not nope. taken for granted. It's like, oh, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Uh, we've both been really active on Twitter the last few weeks because of the podcast and because we've been interacting with people about the podcast. And it's, you know, the support's been incredible. It's gone so well so far. And it's really weird to think that this is just the beginning of it. 
that yeah. we're going to end up getting, you know, more listeners and more subscribers and more followers and things. And it's all based around just talking about footy, which before our pod and before this podcast today, we were talking about footy for so long. I was like, man, we need to start recording because we just get start talking about it anyway. Um, so it's fantastic. I, I'm really enjoying it all. Yeah, I guess we can have a, a quick explanation as to how quickly it started too. Um, I, I'd made a tweet saying that I was thinking about setting up a podcast, but at that stage I didn't really know how I was going to do it because there's so many good rugby league podcasts out there. And I was thinking I had to have a certain style or some of that. And uh, Ricky just said, pretty much gave me a boot. And I said, okay, let's do it. We'll start this and then we'll do this and we'll do this. I was like, okay, all I needed was someone to just kick me in the right direction and I'd start working on it. And um, mm. we decided the best way to go about it was like this. Why, why have it structured like everything else? Why don't we just have just two blokes having a yak? And if, if shit goes wrong, we'll just chuck it in there because shit often does go wrong. Yeah. And um, yeah. it's got a really organic sort of feel about it, which I think is pretty bloody awesome and, and sort of separates from everything else a little bit. So, yeah. I'm, yeah. Th- thanks um, for booting me in the day. Yeah. Well, you know, I know I was the same. I mean, I wish I had a dollar for every time I said on Twitter, and I'm thinking about starting a podcast. If I'd have done it when I was thinking about it, I would have probably been to about eight years of doing it by now. <laughs> um, so I, I, I think, and this is also the first time that I've ever done something like this with somebody else. Like I've normally, uh, my website was a solo venture and everything that I've kind of ever done, I just did myself. So it's interesting to have a partner in crime and, you know, I love it. I do half the work. <laughs> <laughs> likewise likewise <laughs> that's brilliant all right well uh yeah thanks for tuning in we're obviously trying to we're pumping out two episodes a week here at the moment which we're we're bloody happy to do because we love doing this so um yeah, yeah. i don't know what the next episode is going to be that's how well no. this show's planned <laughs> actually actually we've been planning the next episode for three weeks okay we've done lots of research uh, after this podcast, I will be doing more research, and it's very. Uh, we'll take it to the studio. We'll get some of our interns to look through it all, and very, very complicated process. You really should see all the work that goes into these podcasts. <laughs> Sorry, no that that was a that was Jen. I was laughing at something else. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we're we're uh, going great guns and uh we're loving all of you for for listening in and and for sharing it around uh thanks for it keep doing it thank you demand everybody else to do the same thing yeah okay uh that was a pretty good one uh so yeah thanks thanks freaky and uh we'll catch everyone later thank you